Welcome to Kids and Their Dog, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking animal, Cassidy. And I'm Lava. Today we're going to be doing our first actual episode, but before we get into that, we have some news. First bit of news is, as you've probably seen or heard, there is a trailer out for the new live-action movie, Daphne and Velma. Heck yeah. It's coming out in May, and it looks amazing. Going straight to Blu-ray and DVD. It's, it looks really good, like, in actuality. I'm, so I'm, I'm excited, excited for it. Yes. Yeah. And second bit of news is that there's probably going to be a second Kiss meets Scooby-Doo movie. Oh, God. If the Kiss Facebook group, or Fis, Kiss Facebook page is anything to go by. Oh, jeez. Um, because there's a picture of them talking about how they just finished recording some more dialogue for a Scooby-Doo cartoon. Of course. Man. I'm excited about that one as well. <laughs> the first one's pretty good. Oh, I don't even remember any of it. But that's me for most of these movies. They're from space. God. God. The planet Why? Hysteria. But that's, that's spoilers for another time. Oh. oh gosh we also have a question if you'd like to send us questions you can send them to at kids and their dog on twitter or by email to and their dumb dog at gmail.com our question today comes in from flower print charlie or at magical pride on twitter hey charlie how you doing and he asks if you found a talking dog what would you do would you solve mysteries with this talking dog yes or no Hmm. I don't know what I'd do in the long run, but I think it would very much be like that scene from the live-action Scooby-Doo movie where they play Pass the Duchy. <laughs> oh, gosh. I do not remember that scene at all. It's right after Mystery Incorporated splits up, and it's just them in a van, definitely yes. not smoking weed and eating definitely not burgers. Burgers. Oh, gosh. That's how he says it. Yeah, I remember that part now. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't go on mysteries, I don't think. I would probably just do my best to make sure that my awesome talking dog is always awesome and comfortable and loved. Yep. Yeah, that's probably my response, too, in the sense that Scooby doesn't really want to solve mysteries. It's just literally his destiny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. He doesn't get into trouble. Trouble comes to him. Not to get too into Mystery Incorporated, but it's a long line of mystery-solving teens and their animal mascot. Yeah, that's true. I remember that part. Oh, gosh. All right, so let's get into business. Today we'll be watching... Well, we've watched and we'll be going over Scooby-Doo, Mask of the Blue Falcon, which was released in 2013, directed by Michael Gogwin. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. And written by Marley Halper Grazer and Michael Ryan. The voice cast of Frank Welker as Fred and Scooby, like always. Matthew Lillard as Shaggy. Mindy Cohn as Velma. And Greta Lyle as Daphne. I think this is a pretty decent one. It's not as good as I remember. What are your thoughts before we head into it? I liked it. It had a few moments where I was kind of like, oh god. But that's me with a lot of movies nowadays, where if a character embarrasses themselves, 
I immediately bow out. was like, nope, can't watch this for a little while. Overall, I did like it. I think it was very fun. And I would have enjoyed it quite a lot as a child. Probably would have not caught on to any of the convention in-jokes at all. Because I wasn't a convention-going kid. But me, as I am now... I really appreciated a lot of those convention jokes. And then on the flip side, there's me, who really appreciates every single Hanna-Barbera reference. Which yeah, this movie I bet you did. is full of, starting it with really the is. beginning. Uh... We cold open on a pair of convention center guards. The other one's like, hey, you should read comic books. This one's about this superhero <laughs> and his talking robot dog. The dog can, like, crush cans and reach his hand through fences to pick flowers. Uh, it's always a really good sign when a cartoon movie starts out with, like, a buttload of meta jokes. It's just like, that was my first thought of, like, oh my gosh, they're going there right out of the gate. I can appreciate that kind of, uh, chutzpah. This is the convention center that the convention of the movie will be taking place in, the San Pedro Convention Center. Mm-hmm. In California. Wonder what that's supposed to be, hmm? And we get our first non-Blue Falcon Hanna-Barbera reference with the poster of Adam Ant behind the security guards and then another poster of Super Friends Wonder Woman. Yep. I'm not going to do this every time, but that was important. Uh, (laughs) Every single time, like, I thought about you. Every time I was like, oh, hey, I recognize this character. Because most of my Hanna-Barbera, like, experience has been through you. Yes, I know a lot. (laughs) Yes, you do. So there's a noise because it's got to be a mystery. And the guards are like, hey, what was that noise? The convention's not until next week or whatever. And they shine their lights over. There's the big statue of Frankenstein Jr., who's a robot. And they investigate the noise and there's a bunch of smoke everywhere and they get grabbed by a troll magician. Ah, Mr. Hyde. We don't know that yet. He's a troll magician. He's a troll magician. And he drops his comic book. The Blue Falcon comic book, and it zooms in, and then we get our really cool comic book style title sequence. I love it. I loved this moment. Like, I have a huge appreciation for, like, intro sequences that have a really interesting medium. And the fact that it was, like, all comic books was really cool. I was like, I loved that, that this whole sequence so much. And it was in, like, the pseudo-original Scooby-Doo style. Yeah. And we get some cameos of Space Ghost and Frankenstein Jr. and Mighty Midor and what's his name? So many others. Xandor. None of those are actually important. Also, Blue Falcon's there and they all beat up the original Scooby-Doo monsters and then title sequence. And we pull out and it's Shaggy and Scooby reading the Blue Falcon comic book. And on the back of the comic book's an advertisement for a real submarine for twelve ninety nine. <laughs> I love those comic book advertisements. Mm-hmm. And they're doing their in... What's the word I'm looking for? In media res. In media res, yes. we. It's them in media res of a mystery that they're solving of the manic minotaur of Mainsley Manor. Yep. And it's Fred going over the plan, which is... Standard. You know, Scooby and Shaggy are bait. The rest of them... Or, sorry, Scooby's bait. Shaggy's not bait this time. And then they pull some ropes to lift the Minotaur up into the net. It does the thing at the beginning. I was like, oh no, Scooby doesn't want to do it. Do you want a Scooby snack? Do you want two Scooby snacks? And Shaggy's like, I bet you do it if Velma calls you Dog Wonder. (laughs) 
I didn't understand why Velma was singled out there. It was, it was very, uh, it was like very pointed, but I didn't have the context of why it was so pointed. As we will learn later. Yeah, based on later stuff. Velma does not like comic books. Nope. She does not. She's probably derided their enthusiasm before. It's very much like a, oh, please help us dog wonder. Well, I didn't yeah. hear you. <laughs> and then the Minotaur happens. Scooby leads it into the trap, and the trap actually works this time. Like, on the first time. That's not a very common thing in Scooby-Doo, as far as I remember. Usually it goes wrong horribly. Well, we don't know what they've already gone through. That's true. This could be their, like, third attempt, for all we know. But we're in media res, so... Anyways. It works. <laughs> they get them in a net, and then the cuts to the next morning, they're getting an award from the mayor or whatever. <laughs> the monster's still this in the costume. boy! This boy has been in this costume, hanging upside down, or whatever, for... It must have been at least hours it must have been like at least five hours yeah the, the minotaur is like man this net's chafing in all the wrong ways and fred's like look it takes a while to set up these award ceremonies apparently it's like oh my god fred why and the minotaur goes to give his whole backstory and shaggy's like nah shut up we gotta leave and then he pushes everyone into the mystery machine and they leave yep because as we mentioned earlier there's a convention happening it's mm -hmm. a comic book convention, and Shaggy and Scooby want to go because they're comic book nerds. Has that always been a thing, by the way? Or is this just for this movie? I don't think they've ever been, like, extremely comic book nerds. I imagine mm -hmm. they've read comics before. Okay. I just I was realizing as I was watching this, thinking, I don't remember them ever being really into it, but for the movie itself, it, it I guess, it was like, oh yeah, this has always been a thing. Yeah, there's some stuff that comes up later that I'm like, wait, hold on? Yeah. But so Shaggy and Scooby are making costumes in the van while watching an old Dynamut cartoon. And apparently the costumes are made of string cheese and food coloring. Yep. Apparently look really good for it, too. Yeah. I imagine they get really smelly after the first hour. Yeah. Because they wear it all like three days. Yeah. No. There's only a very small period of time where Scooby is not dressed as Dynamut. And we're going to get to that point, aren't we? Yes, we are. Daphne's got a crazy collection of littlest fuzzies that she's trying to get from the convention. Um, it's it's Beanie Babies. They're Beanie Babies. They're Beanie Babies. Fred wants to see the premiere of the new edgy Blue Falcon movie because this was around the time of the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. I think this was have been around the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Yeah. But this is, I guess, referencing the whole thing going on with that. Yeah. The grim reboot of a movie franchise or TV franchise, whatever it is. Velma heard the convention was haunted and then Shaggy's like, no, and takes the computer away. <laughs> <laughs> they get there and we see their costumes and Shaggy's costume is just a t-shirt. Yeah. It's just a blue t-shirt with the, the blue Falcon F on it. Yeah. But like Scooby's actually dressed up like Dynamut. Yeah, it, it was so funny seeing it. It's like either Shaggy just doesn't realize or he just didn't want to put in the effort because he could have worn a mask it's like that is the most closet cosplay i've ever seen and it wasn't even good closet cosplay yeah he didn't even have a cape yeah he says later on it's like he doesn't even have a cape and yeah shaggy neither do you right now 
There's some stuff here and there, the parking lot of the convention center. Thelma calls it a Mondo Geekathon. There's a guy in a crab costume and Shaggy and Scooby get scared because, ah, a monster, but it's just a costume and he jumps in a car or something. And then we see some footage from the new Dino Mutt movie and Dino Mutt, the new Dino Mutt's just a Terminator. Yeah. It's just a dog-shaped Terminator. It really is. And then there's a guy in a Zorak mask from Space Ghost. Yes. And he scares Shaggy and Scooby. Yeah. And we learn that this is actually- Shaggy and Scooby's friend Hank Price, who owns a comic shop that they apparently always hang out at, even though they're always traveling. Yeah. It's it's very much, oh yeah, this has always been a thing, like, constantly, I feel like, in this movie. Yeah. I don't know if that's always a thing that happens in Scooby-Doo movies, where they introduce a concept and like, it's, oh no, that's always been there. Sometimes they do, but, and like, sometimes it's a character, but it's never a character who owns a place of business that they're at all the time, I don't think. Mm. more like a this is a person of influence that we know or like this is someone's cousin right anyways hank has a what is it a nephew nephew yeah named austin who's a really cool green-haired punk yeah probably one of the best characters in the movie i appreciate that kid it's a good kid the the team splits up i can't remember the whole reason but i know austin shaggy and scooby go see owen garrison who is Mm -hmm. the original blue falcon the the adam west blue falcon i actually had to check the credits to make sure that it wasn't actually adam west because i was that convinced there's like there's no way they wouldn't just do this so well it's not adam west i don't remember the name i didn't write that one down but it's a very good adam west voice Mm -hmm. they get there and owen garrison is freaking out because there's no fans and the studio is burying the old blue falcon and they won't let it on tv anymore because they're trying to Keep it all edgy and new. Mm-hmm. And then he freaks out for a bit, and then he's like, Oh, hey, fans, how can I help you? And they're like, We'll come back later. Just back away slowly. And Velma talks about how she hates comics to Daphne. About how radiation's bad for you, actually. And no one would recognize a hero without with glasses on. It doesn't change you that much. And she takes her glasses off, and then Fred shows up. And Fred's like, hey, Daphne, why don't you and your new friend come with me to go see the trailer? I love Fred. He's such a dingus. It's so funny how this is the head of this mystery gang. And he's kind of a huge dork. So they go see the uh, booth set up with the big TV for the new Blue Falcon movie. And the director slash producer slash writer slash who knows what else for the movie. Jennifer Michael Se- Bay. It's it's female Michael Bay. Yes. Jennifer Severin. Yes. Um, and she's like, ah, oh, yeah, I was in charge of this whole movie series that are, it's not Transformers, but wink, wink, it's Transformers. Yeah. And all of the movie titles had revenge in it. And there were so many explosions. Yeah. And she was like, I talked to the the company bakerolling it, and I asked, hey, what if instead of a story, I just make it all explosions? Then they were like, yeah! <laughs> oh, jeez. So the movie is about blowing stuff up in revenge, and they bring out the new actor named Brad Adams, who is voiced by a Batman Brave and the Bold Batman, Diedrich Bader. And the entire time I was watching this, I was like, oh yeah, that's Batman. <laughs> Owen garrison shows up and calls brad a fraud and tries to force autographs on people jeff bennett by the way is owen garrison 
There we go. He's a fairly prolific voice actor, if I'm not mistaken. Looney Tunes back in action. That's prolific. Enough. Oh, that's a wait. Hang on. He was in Johnny Bravo. I need to know who. Yeah, he was. He was Johnny Bravo. Okay, I thought so. I was like, wait a second. Oh yes, Johnny Bravo. Sorry, I just looked at another screenshot of the movie, and I just remembered exactly how many references were in every scene in the convention center, which is about <laughs> ten per frame. Jeez. You have the Impossibles and the Super Friends and Speed Buggy and so on and so forth. I don't remember seeing any Jabberjaw, and that makes me a little disappointed. Oh, Man, he was in so much. Sorry, I, got, I just got distracted looking at the IMDb page for this guy. Oh, that's why I know him. That's why it took me so long to figure out why he was so familiar is because, huh, you're going to laugh. He's Catman from the Fairly Odd Parents, who is also another Batman reference. The reason he sounds like Adam West is he's the voice of TV's Adam West. Yes, exactly. Anyways, Owen Garrison is like, autograph, 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 and then crying. And then Jack Rabble, who apparently shares a booth with Owen, pulls him away. And then we see the trailer for the new Blue Falcon movie in which Dino Mutt says, Crime always pays the ultimate price. Yes. Yes. Oh, gosh. It's like they couldn't get that far away from the camp. It's like they still have to have camp in the movie. But it's a gritty camp. The thing is, it's camp because they're making fun of gritty movies. Mm Mm-hmm. The the trailer is interrupted by a troll magician, who we find out is Mr. Hyde, who is Blue Falcon's worst enemy. He's on the screen, and then he appears IRL in a po- I said IRL out loud. Yes, you did. Because I'm reading my notes. He shows up in real life on top of a plane in a puff of smoke and is like, ah, bats. Okay, I need to pause. So, watching this scene, I was convinced it was just part of the trailer, since he was on the screen at first. And I was thinking as... Right up until the point where he releases all those bats, it's like, every single person at this convention is convinced that this is just part of the convention. This is just part of the trailer. Uh, I was like, yeah, that's that's real life. That's what we would think. Oh, I forgot to mention, and this is one of the most baffling things about this movie, is Mm -hmm. that they're showing the trailer now. This is the first trailer ever premiered for this film. And then they're airing the whole film at the end of the week. Yeah. The whole thing. I found that very interesting. It's like, huh, that doesn't make sense, but okay. Can you even imagine if they did that? I mean, they kind of did that with, like, the most recent Star Wars movie, where they didn't release a trailer until, like, barely months before the movie. But a month is much much different than a week. Someone said... On something I was looking, I think it was on Never Tell Me the Pods. I think James D'Amato said they could release a Star Wars tomorrow, <laughs> and you would never know until it came out. <laughs> yep. Anyways, bats. He fills the entire convention center with bats. <laughs> they are really, really chompy bats too. Yeah, they, like they eat everything. There's a hallway chase. Shaggy and Scooby are chased by bats until they pretend to be zombie statues. Not having changed anything about their costumes, they're just posing real ass zombies and then shaggy and scooby standing there yep 
the bats eat through the sc- the bottom of the screen, so that way it starts to fall over. And it's a big screen. Mm-hmm. Fred, Velma, and Daphne push some towers over to stop the screen from falling on people. Fred is capable of pushing this two-person job by himself. Yeah. So I guess he's just really buff. Well, somebody has to be in that group. Although now it would probably be Daphne. Yeah. To be fair, he does set up a lot of traps, and some of those things are heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, so they push the tower to stop the screen, and security shows up and is like, Oh, I can't believe something bad happened. I guess because they didn't notice their security guards went missing a week ago or whatever. Yeah! It's kind of like, huh. Anyways, Mystery Inc.'s like, hey, we can help. We solve mysteries. We basically have a company, and that's what we do. Yep. And they're like, no, we're just going to close the convention instead. And the mayor shows up and is like, wait a minute, hold on. Capitalism. Yep. And then hires Mystery Inc. because they work for free. Yep. And we cut to the parking lot again. They're trying to come up with a plan. Fred calls Velma V, which I think is fun. Mm-hmm. And then Velma calls Shaggy and Scooby Geeko Man and Hungry Mutt. <laughs> and they're like, she talking to us? And the thing is, because they're trying to figure out some background on this monster, Shaggy and Scooby are like, oh, it's a Blue Falcon villain. And they do a full slideshow chart boards, <laughs> flip charts. That they somehow just have. Like, I know it's a cartoon, but still... Thinking about it, it's like, man, you guys, you're really obsessed. Like, I'm one to talk. But uh, it was really funny, I found. Just they, just the slides. Yeah, the last couple slides are like a uh, Captain Underpants flip book. Yeah. Or it's just a couple of frames repeated. Velma's like, let's check out the movie director. This could be a publicity stunt. And the director's having a party. And we cut to the party. And Owen Garrison is being thrown out. Because he doesn't have an invitation. He's like, I don't need an invitation. I'm TV's Adam West. <laughs> so immediately Fred, Velma, and Daphne suspect him of being a monster. The monster. Which, to be fair, at no point in this movie does he do anything to not make people suspect him. Yeah, he's kind of uh, constantly out there. Threats and everything. He doesn't go out of his way to prove himself at all, ever. Even at the very end. So they start questioning the people of importance. Brad Adams knows nothing and has never seen Blue Falcon before in his life. Which Shaggy is very upset about. He calls Blue Falcon, and I have most of this written now, I'm just missing a single couple of words. An enigma, living a life in the blank of uncertainty. <laughs> he's, he's that kind of actor. He's that kind of actor. And they talk to the director, and the director's like, it was probably Owen Garrison. He's a freak. Scooby's eating at a buffet while a guy talks about his movie pitch. And then Mr. Hyde shows up and Velma, Daphne, and I think, actually, no, I think it's just Daphne makes a point to say, hey, the director and Brad are both gone. Yes, I think it's Fred, too. Yeah, I I think one person said something for each of them. Yeah. Anyways, Mr. Hyde sends out a dog. It's a good dog. The hideous Hidehound. Voiced by D. Bradley Baker. Yeah, it's always important to have dog voice. Yep. Daphne saves some sort of rando, and then Fred grabs Daphne and then jumps into a pool, butt first onto a float. I really, really liked how uh, Daphne kicks a lounge chair in front of the dog, and the dog just kind of stops. It's like, oh no, a chair. 
It was, it was funny. The hide hound attacks Scooby, and they run around the party for a bit, and then eventually the hide hound falls into the pool and freaks out. And then Mr. Hyde and the dog leave, I guess. I don't, I kind of looked down at that point, and then when I looked back up, they were left, they left the party. Cut to the next day, they decide to check Owen's booth. Shaggy and Scooby both called Freddy Frederick Jones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, and they get all up in his face because he's accusing Owen Garrison of maybe being a monster. And then Jack Rabble, the person who saved Owen from before, shows up and it, apparently his, Owen's booth partner, they share a booth. And he was a combat bots champion, and that's just, it's battle bots. It's a battle bots montage. Uh, yeah. He defends Owen Garrison as a crazy but harmless old man, and offers the gang some sort of crazy complex tiny robot that breathes fire and has hammers. And then Shaggy buys a spy bot. A spy drone. Which he uses for, like, an hour, and then it disappears. Uh, he gets some stuff with it that's important later i just i think it's funny how they don't even show it and they just have shaggy mention a spy bot and like hey can i buy that spy drone from you yep we cut to scooby using the spy drone to steal donuts and shaggy being legit bummed because his childhood hero might be a problem which relatable um we cut to fred velma and daphne in the security booth watching some footage scooby and shaggy bust in with evidence and it's like hey Here's the evidence. Jennifer Severin is excited about all the hype around the movie being built by this Mr. Hyde appearance. And these are like videos of people on phone calls. (laughs) Like all of them I think is someone on the phone. Brad hates this movie and hopes that the Hyde attacks let him leave the movie franchise so he doesn't have to keep being the Blue Falcon. Hank Price, who is the comic book guy, is making weird phone calls and he's talking in that Klaatu Verata Nikto language. (laughs) <laughs> which i immediately immediately saw and was like oh my god <laughs> it was a very um klingon moment it was like a nerd at a convention gotta speak klingon gotta make phone calls and klingon uh, they head outside the security room and fred's like oh man good initiative shaggy and daphne's like man i wish there was just one person that we could look at look at and then Fred elbows her to get her to shut up because he wants to be encouraging. And then Velma comes out with all access passes and sends Shaggy and Scooby off to eat all of the catering so they can go harass Owen. Daphne goes nuts and chases after some littlest fuzzies. I think actually fist fights a woman. Yep. Well, I think it's not a fist fight, more of a she's grabbing the fuzzy out of the person's hands. Who, by the way, looks like they just bought it. So it's like, Daphne, Daphne, calm down. Uh, so we cut back over to Fred and Velma going after Owen, and they get over there, and no one's going like, oh, I'll show you. And he tells Fred and Velma how he's being screwed, like we heard earlier, because of the no more reruns and all of that. And the fact that he was banned from wearing the costume in public? Like, okay, that's kind of unreasonable. I was like, why would you do that to this man? He just wants to make people happy. And residuals. But it's like... Oh, yeah, we're not going to cast you in this, and also you can never be this character ever again. Sorry. Bye. It's like, wow, rude. And apparently he was trying to pitch a Blue Falcon movie for a while, and no one wanted it. Yeah, and then suddenly uh, Michael Bay comes in, and it's like, explosions, and like, yeah, movie. Like, wow, jeez. Please. 
Michelle Bay. <laughs> Anyways, he walks away and he's going like, oh, they'll pay, and runs off. He cuts to Shaggy and Scooby doing a superpower tag team eating attack. Oh, uh, yep. That whole sequence is hysterical. It's just them eating food, but for like two minutes. Yeah. And a montage. And then it cuts to them walking back behind something and Shaggy and Scooby hear Jennifer Severin say that she wants to record the next hide attack. And then they get chased by a crazy strong lady for eating all of the food. And it's like, because this was supposed to be the, for the staff section and they just ate everything. Oh no, apparently it's supposed to be for the press. The head guard mentions that, later mentions that, oh no, yeah, I have to find out who, who ate all the food for the press. And it's like, priorities, man. So they get chased by the crazy strong lady who like lifts up two tables, like two very long tables, one in each hand and just throws them at a door. Yeah. They run into a, end up in a creepy locked basement. The, their worst nightmare, like basically every movie. Yeah. And we go over to Daphne, who's at Hank Price's booth because he's got a special edition Blue Falcon Littlest Fuzzy. It's a, like a bear wearing a Blue Falcon costume. It's normally $5, which apparently for a collectible, I'd say that's not a bad price. But because it's the Blue Falcon going all this crazy with these hide attacks. It's 5000 Yeah, he gets to make a bunch of money on all this Blue Falcon merchandise. Yep. I always, like, I'm looking at the, in looking at the littlest fuzzy dressed up as the Blue Falcon, I was thinking to myself, is that a legit product or did he make this? And when did he make it? Did he just make it? Like, in the last hour? Because I kind of got that impression. Both are legitimate theories. Yeah. And I kind of think that he made it, now that you mention it. Because if it was real, it probably wouldn't have been $5. It probably would have been 20 Yeah, that's right. It's like, those kind of special edition, anything, are much more expensive than just the regular, oh, it's slightly a different color, like Daphne was going gaga over earlier. But I... I swear that thing makes me think of uh, the homemade um, painted My Little Ponies figurines. This is just special outfit for it. And I'm going to sell it for much more than what I paid for it. Yeah. Which inspired. Yeah. I also think this is probably the only Littlest Fuzzy that I like. Yeah. It actually looked cool. The rest of them look kind of gross. Honestly, they made me think of Furbies more than they made me think of Beanie Babies. They're beanie babies that look like Furbies. Yeah. And it sucks. And thankfully they don't have, well, as far as we know, they don't have any uh, mechanisms in them to make them scream. Oh, God. Furby glitches are messed up. So they're still there at the comic book thing, the uh, comic book booth, and Velma's flipping through some of the old Blue Falcon VHSs and notices that the attacks are following the pattern, or a pattern of the attacks from the old TV show, with episode one being... Hyde throws bats. Uh, episode 2, Hyde throws a dog. Austin shows up and is like, hey, what's up? And Velma's like, hey, when's the next time Hyde shows up? He's like, oh, episode 22. And he's got Joker gas, but it's goo? Mm-hmm. Turns them into people into monsters. It turns them all into people who wear Mr. Hyde masks. Yeah. What really gets me about those first two episodes that Velma notices is that she gets these from the box art. She gets the plot from the box art. And it's like, that's not how TV shows work. But also, yeah, I can see it working. Also, they usually fit like four episodes on a VHS. At least two. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it would be two. Like an hour long-ish. And so they figure out the, the next attack's going to be the Joker yes attack. Complete with the balloon or whatever. With monkey balloon. Prince playing party man. 
I think the best song from the Batman soundtrack is Princess Party Man. <laughs> anyway, so they go to this one security people, um, and security is like, hey, we got to figure out who ate all this food. The monster can wait. Priorities. Shaggy and Scooby stumble. We cut back to them. They're in the basement. They stumble upon the hide layer, complete with maps and plans and Tesla coils and test tubes. And there's a map on the wall with a street marked alternative route, which I thought was, oh, okay, an escape route. Yes. Keep that in mind for later. Yep. And then they actually see Hyde himself making goo. And then he sees them and shoots at him with a gun that shoots goo. Really, really badly. Like, really bad aim. Terrible aim. Constantly. I imagine a water gun's kind of hard to aim. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. And so they run away, and they end up on the roof with Hyde. And then Fred, Velma, and Daphne see Shaggy and Scooby and Hyde on the roof, on a camera, in the security office. And then Shaggy and Scooby, trying to get away, jump on the Frankenstein Jr. balloon. It's like a big old blimp. Fred, Velma, and Daphne climb up on the roof. They burst out, and they're like, hey, we're here now. Hyde's like, oh, really? And then cuts the balloon free and flies away. So Shaggy, Scooby, and Hyde are on top of this big Frankenstein Jr. blimp. And Hyde starts throwing goop grenades at the city below. None of them actually hit anybody, but they hit like some cars and people are running screaming. But I don't think anyone actually gets hit. Nope. I was keeping an eye out for it. Nobody got hit. And then they get close to City Hall. So Shaggy and Scooby jump off onto City Hall and Hyde sends some more bats. And they eat like the air conditioner on the roof. They just eat it. Yeah, it's these bats mean business. Shaggy Scoopy run into City Hall, and they're chased by the goo as it starts to fill the stairwell that they're in. All of the doors are locked, and there's a scene of them trying to get through one of the doors, and there's a guy on the other side as a janitor, and he's dancing, and he looks just like Paul Blart. Yep. <laughs> it's the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, hey, it's Paul Blart. Uh, I thought of um, that scene in Spider- Spider-Man. Was it The Amazing Spider-Man, I think it was? Where the... Oh my gosh, Stanley cameo mm-hmm. with the headphones on and they're in the record shop and they're fighting in the background and Stanley is just kind of like rocking out to his music. Made me think of that. I don't think record shop's Amazing Spider-Man because I think Amazing Spider-Man's the library. It's wearing headphones on that one too, though. Okay, yeah, I, I haven't uh, watched it in a very long time, so. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie. <laughs> it's actually, it is. I, I know I joke a lot about Spider-Man 3 being my favorite, but it's Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man. Ah, I believe you. So Shaggy and Scooby are like, no, there's goo everywhere. Don't let it touch you. You'll turn into a monster. Because they know right away that this is the monster goo from episode 22 of Blue Falcon. Yes, indeed they do. They know they're They're dealing with scrappy goo now. Security guard calls the mayor and is like, hey, City Hall might be under attack. You might want to get out of there. And he's unfazed for a little bit. And then he's like, all right, everybody, please leave. I got to go do something. He has to go to the bathroom. That's what he says. That's his excuse. Eventually, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy end up in the ooze. They fall in there. They're like, oh no, it got in my mouth. It tastes like pistachios. And they're fine. It just tastes like pistachio. And then it just fills the rest of City Hall and it starts to pour out. There's the shot where these people are standing in the lobby and an elevator comes down. The elevator doors open and goo falls out. So much goo. It's like, how did he produce this much goo? How? And they ride the tidal wave of goo out into the lawn. 
Shaggy starts holding and screaming about Scooby-Doo being turned into an it, a hideous, ugly monster. Mm-hmm. And as the goo falls away from the form he's holding, it's actually the mayor. Mm-hmm. And Scooby's like, hey, Shag, you're messing up, my guy. Don't call the mayor ugly, please. Yep. The mayor fires Mystery Incorporated for some reason. He says, for making him look like a fool. I mean, they did. But like, no more of a fool than he would have liked if they weren't there. True. He would have looked worse like a fool without ha- having someone to blame it on. Because it would have been just himself. And like, there's a news crew there and all of that. Turns out it was pistachio foam. And at the movie screening, because of all of these attacks, and because of the number of people who want to see it, has been moved from the convention to the baseball stadium. Across the street. So apparently there's a YouTube video and everybody's making fun of Shaggy and Scooby for some reason. Even though they're, the fact that they were terrified is completely justified. Yeah. This was a literal, like, terrorist attack. Yeah. Wasn't it like 24 million views? It's like 42 million views. 42 million. And they were like, haha, look at these idiots who think they were going to turn into monsters. Yeah, despite the fact that it's a suspicious green wave of goo, that would be a very terrifying thing if it was, like, literally consuming the building. Yeah. But scoop tube, what are you going to do? Jack Rabble calls Daphne. Specifically Daphne, because Owen's missing, and he's like, yeah, I just figured I'd let you know, but it's probably fine. Suspicious. Shaggy's wearing a bag on his head with a, with a face drawn on it. And it's like, hey, where's Scooby? And we cut to Scooby in an alleyway, throwing his Dynomutt costume in the trash. <laughs> yes. I will be Dynomutt no more. I immediately thought of you, Cass. Immediately. It's, it's the Spider-Man scene. Yeah. It's the scene from Spider-Man no more. Spider-Man 2? Isn't it Spider-Man 2? Yeah, it's Spider-Man 2, which is based off the comic book Spider-Man No More. Oh, that that scene. So Fred, Velma, and Daphne are trying to go into the convention center to do some more sleuthing. And they're like, hold up. Nah, you're banned from the convention for making the mayor look like a fool. Which, again, did they? Did they really? And also, can he really do that? Like, is is that a thing that he can do? Like, banning from the convention, yeah, sure. But because they made they made him look like a fool, and also can the mayor himself do that? I would allow it if they got banned because Shaggy and Scooby ate all of the press food. Yeah, that would have been a that would have been a legitimate thing, instead of a ridiculous thing. Actually, that would have been a really good idea to just have that, where it'd be completely unrelated to the entire thing, except for the fact that it was Daphne and Velma. No, wait, I don't remember. It was Velma who uh, suggested they go eat. Got them the passes. And it was like, hey, there's all this food there. Go eat it. Yeah, and they did. They very much did. So it would have been an actually justifiable excuse of, yep, nope, can't, can't be in here anymore. Sorry. Also, you made the mayor look like a fool. But that has nothing to do with this. Oh, well. Austin comes out and is like, hey, I can't find my uncle at all. Have you seen my uncle? The kind of suspicious guy? And Mr. Eating's like... Nah, but we can't help you look for him either because we can't get in. And Austin's like, hold on, I have a plan. Yep. And so he dresses the Mystery Ink gang like Herculoids. Velma is Igu, who's a rock ape. Daphne is Tara, who's just the lady main character. And then Fred is Xandor, the male main character. Honestly, I think some one of them or two of them should have been Gloop and Gleep. <laughs> because that's a really easy costume to pull off and there's no way anyone's going to recognize you. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know what Gloop and Gleep I'm look like? I'm looking up right now. I was like, wait a second, I need to ne- know what they look like. 
Oh my god. One, they're Pokemon, and two, they're just Ditto from Pokemon. Yeah, I can see that. That's their whole thing, is that they can change shape, and sometimes they duplicate themselves by splitting into parts. Jeez. I imagine if uh, Shaggy and Scooby had been in the group, they would have been them. Uh, no, because Scooby would have been Tundro. <laughs> Tundro's the Triceratops with a gun for a face. Oh my god. And he's got like eight legs. Jeez. Anyways, um, so they sneak in and they find out that the next step, according to the cartoon, or the original TV show, is that Hyde's gonna become a giant monster. Just a giant monster. Yeah, that's all. I was like, hmm, I wonder how he's gonna pull that off. Uh, my first thought was, okay, that's probably gonna be an illusion. Like, just a projection illusion. Yeah, that's usually how this goes, is they get, like, a projector set up somewhere and it's a hologram. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll find out later what's up. So Fred... Velma, Daphne, and Jack Rabble, who's with them for some reason I don't remember, are investigating the Hyde Lair. I think they're just all trying to find Owen at this point. Yeah, I think so. I think that's why he's there too. And they, they're looking around the Hyde Lair, but it's all emptied because security team got there first. Um, and then they find a secret compartment. Which, by the way, they find it because this guy has a screwdriver. Just happens to have a screwdriver. and Well, he... he's a BattleBots champion. That's true. That's true. Uh, and he opens up the compartment. Meanwhile, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy are both depressed and hungry. And they said, hey, let's go find some food and then be sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, same. Yeah, same. They cut back to the, the lair and they find out that Hyde's monitoring the ba- baseball stadium. They're like, they're almost like, why would he be watching that? You know why. They said on the news. They're changing it from the convention center to the stadium. Yep. If you know it, then he knows it. Whatever. Austin left to try to sneak into the um, the technical showing, the tech test of the movie screening. Mm-hmm. So he could see the movie early, I guess. Which, he's a punk. He's gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the movie premiere starts. You can see some stuff happening over there. Austin's up in, like, the nosebleed section. Fred Velma, Daphne, and Jack Rabble all think, hey, maybe Hyde planned to have the movie moved there. And then Hyde shows up at the premiere as a giant mm-hmm. and tears through the screen and shoots laser eyes. Yes, he does. And then I think, okay, okay, that is not a projection. Unless it is a projection and there's explosives planted in the ground everywhere he's shooting. That's true. I was thinking that too. Because there's no one there. No one's getting hurt. That's true. Yeah, for some reason, they started showing the movie when the actual place was empty, which... Oh, it's the tech rehearsal. Yeah, but the whole movie? Yeah. Huh. They need to make sure it's not busted. Okay. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, but yeah. My question is, why is Hyde attacking the tech rehearsal? Yeah, you would think he would attack the actual premiere. Every other time he's attacked, he's attached, like, everyone. Yeah. People are running away from the stadium. Shaggy and Scooby run towards it because, hey, more stadium food for us. Mm-hmm. Gotta have those hot dogs and pretzels that cost $6. They don't stop to think, oh, there's a huge crowd of people running away screaming. Huh, that's interesting. Normally, they're all about leaving when other people are leaving. Yeah, but nope, food. You cut back to the attack. Austin is being directly attacked by Hyde. Yep. Like, Hyde is hunting him down. And at that point, as Hyde crushes the seats, I think to myself... Yeah, that's not a projection. That one's definitely not a projection. Shaggy and Scooby show up and are like, oh no, Austin's being attacked. And then Scooby has like a moment in his brain where Dynamud is talking directly to him. Yep. 
remember Scooby. It's about the hero inside. And then Scooby leaves and comes back dressed up in a suit and glasses. Yep. And Shaggy's like, what? Who are you supposed to be? And then he takes it off and then he's dynamite. Yep. No, no. He does the Superman opening up the shirt to reveal the dynamite uh, shirt he had on before. It's like very specific. Yeah, he Clark Kent's into Superman. Yeah, Clark, uh, Clark Kent into Dynomutt kind of situation. That's actually what I have written in my notes. He, he Clark Kent's then Dynomutt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then he runs and he saves Austin in a very un Scooby Doo manner, but he's feeling the power of his hero in his heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. Can't be a coward every time. And then they get kicked into space. <laughs> Hyde, like, punches oh, yeah. a rock or the part of the stadium they're in and it gets launched up super high in the air and scooby-doo manages to save shaggy also this time by like leaping through some crushing rocks to grab him mm-hmm. the thing happens where a chain of events occurs and they land in a dumpster that sorry they land directly into a garbage truck that had just picked up a dumpster and someone's like oh this is going on scoop tube and l- walks off laughing about it like man these these kids just fell from like 20 stories into a dumpster and you're laughing about it jerk like even if they did land in the trash after getting kicked into space by a giant robot they did some rad just cork it on the way down mm-hmm. there's the first time i have to bleep something no i said it earlier too oh did you did you see this badge i wasn't paying attention yeah <laughs> i i said the word and i'm like oh let me help you uncle scoop <laughs> It was like 30 minutes ago, too. This part's staying in because it'll be funny. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anyways, Hyde continues to wreak havoc. Fred, Velma, and Daphne are like, okay, time to do stuff. Fred gets up there and sh- gets Hyde's attention by just yelling at him, yelling at the giant robot to get his attention, and it works. And then Velma ramps up in a Jeep with Daphne on the back on a machine Which, t-shirt. holy, cannon. oh my gosh, that was the, the best sequence i've seen them do in so long it's just like oh my gosh you know a warthog from halo yes that but with a t-shirt can yes exactly i immediately thought of the warthog from halo it was like it was that kind of situation of one person driving one person manning the cannon it was great and so daphne just keeps shooting t-shirts at him like directly in the face and then fred jumps in the jeep as they proceed to ac atm with a banner and knock him over (laughs) trip him up Giant Hyde falls down and is broken, and it's revealed to be a big robot. Something I noticed is that the first line that Hyde says uh, as a giant, he repeats twice more before this scene. Um, And he says it one more time as he's glitching out, and it's revealed, ah, yes, this is a giant robot. And then they open up the robot, and it's the regular Hyde, and they take off the mask, and it's Owen Garrison! Owen's confused. He's like, what? How did I get in here? Why am I in this costume? Why am I in this robot? This giant robot. Brad's like, hold on. While I don't respect Owen Garrison's worldviews, and I think he's kind of a washed up actor now, he is a fellow actor and he would never hurt anyone. And then Owen's like, I bet it was you, you creep. Yep. And Brad's like, like I said, he's a crazy old man and I'm pretty sure he did it. Take him away. Meanwhile, an armored truck is being detoured because there was a giant robot in the way. Yeah, and that's the moment where I think, no, it can't be. Just for an armored truck? What? Well, you'll find out why just this armored truck later. Yeah. And then the real Hyde shows up and hijacks the truck. 
Uh, Scooby and Shaggy see this and chase after him on just a regular bike. Something to notice, though, is that when they are ra- being radioed, the, when the truck is being radioed that there's a delay, they take a detour and they specifically say it's an alternate route. I thought to myself, oh, that's why he had it marked on the map. Huh. Yep. I knew that was a thing. I just didn't realize they used the exact same phrase. I, I feel like they must have because I immediately was like, oh, that's why. Um, it might have been something similar, if not exactly that line. So Shaggy and Scooby chase after Hyde in the armored truck and Shaggy's pedaling one of those chariot bikes. Yep. While Scooby stands on top of it and then he leaps on top of the armored truck and then fights the Hyde Hound. And the Hyde Hound hits a load hanging bridge because cartoons. Scooby jumps on the window and makes Hyde crash. And he crashes directly next to where all the cops are. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. And he stumbles out and he's still dressed as uh, Hyde. And everybody's like, gasp. It's Hyde. It's Mr. Hyde again. He uses knockout gas to knock out all the cops. Yep. And then Owen runs away because he's free because the cops are asleep. And then later Scooby's being attacked by, I think, just Mr. Hyde. Just actual Mr. Hyde. Or is it the dog again? I don't remember. It might be the dog. It might be the dog. It's the dog. Because this next scene. Yeah. The dog comes back, attacks Scooby, and then the blue falcon mobile shows up and just runs over this dog repeatedly. Yes. And you see Owen Garrison dressed as the original blue falcon in an actual flying car. Yeah. Yeah, it's an actual legit flying car. Just a real flying car. Um, and he saves Scooby and calls him Dog Wonder, I think. Mm-hmm. They proceed to run over the... Hidehound several times, and then it's revealed the Hidehound was also a robot. Mm-hmm. Blue Falcon throws a boomerang, and it knocks Mr. Hyde into a wall, and he's stuck there. And they unmask him. Or sorry, they don't unmask him yet, because then Hank Price shows up with his girlfriend. And he's like, oh, I love you. And she's like, no, say it in Klaatu Varada Nikto. Yes, and he does. Well, apparently they, they come up, and she exclusively speaks... The, the, that fantasy language and then um, she says I love you to him in that language and then he says oh I love you too and she replies in English I was like no say it in what you just said then they unmask Hyde and it's really Jack Rabble mm-hmm. because he was banned from combat bots because it was far too dangerous and so he had to start boothing with Owen because it started costing too much money and this was the only way he could make money was at conventions mm-hmm and he hated boothing with Owen Garrison because he kept complaining about the Blue Falcon problems he was having. And especially after he started complaining about the new movie. He decided he would make a bunch of robots so he could steal the $5 million in convention money from that armored truck. Yep. Uh, the mayor shows up and takes credit for believing in those meddling kids. Brad and Jen learn some lessons about the situation. Jen's like, oh, what if we put in kind of a story? Maybe? Yeah. And Brad's like, I appreciate Owen's ability to be in character or something. Mm-hmm. And so they offer Owen Garrison to be in the sequel. And we see part of the sequel. Man, they make these movies fast, huh? Yeah, I thought that. I was thinking, okay, this is a, this has got to be at least a year later. There's no way they could do anything with this sequel without it being at least a year. It happens real fast. It really does. Because it's just like, that's the very next scene is after they say those meddling kids, it cuts to them. At the premiere of Blue Falcon 2, Return of Dino Mutt's Revenge or something. I don't remember it. Return of the Revenge? Something. 
It was a really funny sequel title, too, and I'm very sad that I don't remember it. Anyways, in this one, Owen Garrison plays the original Blue Falcon, who's the new Blue Falcon's dad, and then Scooby-Doo plays Dino Mutt, who reveals to be Scooby-Doo inside the movie. Yeah, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And Scooby takes a bow during the movie. Very rude. Yeah. Shaggy's wearing this nice olive suit. It's like a tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get our Scooby-Dooby-Doo. In, in the movie, as well as in the theater. As the movie's happening. So, that's the movie. That's the movie. It was a fun movie, I found. What was your favorite part, would you say? Um, hmm. I remember thinking, oh, this was a great part, and I, but I didn't write it down, so I immediately forgot it. Uh, what was yours? Um, I would cheat and just say any time that there's a Hanna-Barbera thing, but that's basically that the whole literally movie. literally the whole movie. It's literally the whole movie. It's a Scooby-Doo mm-hmm. movie. Gosh, let me flip through my notes. <laughs> Austin saying, hey, I got a plan, and then dressing the others like a, up like Herculoids. Yeah, that was a good one. That is a really good one. I really like Austin. I think he's the MVP of this movie right next to Scooby-Doo himself and Shaggy. You really like? I think those three did the most actual work this movie. Like, they basically solved the whole thing. They didn't get the person right at any point, but they put in the legwork. I would say, I honestly really did like that intro. The It's not really the movie proper, but it was a fun kind of showing everything introduction in a really good style. Every time they do like the comic book stylization between two scenes is really good because they do that a few times. They do, yeah. Just seeing people cosplaying as Hanna-Barbera characters is pretty good. Yeah. There's a speed buggy cosplay that's very, very good. He's dressed as one of the characters and then just has a speed buggy as like a pair of overalls. Yep. I appreciated the fact that the the whole idea of Velma, who is a science kind of nerd and also a ghost nerd, being very disdainful of like comics is like, Velma, you are a cartoon. It's just there's something about it that's really funny to me. It's nice to show that like, hey, not all nerds is the same. Yep. So let's go ahead and I guess rank this movie. Of the movies we've watched so far, would you say this movie is better than nothing? Yes, it is better than nothing. All right, so it goes both at the top and bottom of the list. Something that um, I had a thought of, like, huh, I wonder. I was like, what kind of dog is Dino Mutt? Because it's not like, he, he could be a Great Dane. He's that size that Scooby is. I think he's part husky. Part husky? Yeah. Huh, I didn't see that. Maybe Shepherd. I think Shepherd's what I'm thinking. Oh, okay. I think he's a German Shepherd. That's what it is. It's like got that kind of um, body build. It's mostly the ears and face that make me think that. Yeah. But the real answer is he's a robot. Yeah, that's that's such a, yeah. I, it's so funny because like I keep forgetting that the actual Dynomut <laughs> was a robot, and it's it's not just that they made him into a robot in the uh, reboot, but that they just made him into a Terminator in the reboot. And I'm like, oh yeah, kind of kind of moment of, oh yeah, this this dog has actual uh like inspector gadget limbs. Like legit inspector gadget limbs. So do you want a quick rundown of the synopsis of the actual first Dino Mutt episode? Yes, always. Episode one of Dino Mutt, as part of the Scooby Doo and Dino Mutt hour, is called Everyone Hide, but spelled like Mr. Hyde. Oh god. Willie the Weasel has created a formula that turns him into Mr. Hyde. 
While Blue Falcon and Dino Mutter are on the trail of the mysterious Mr. Hyde, they encounter the Mystery Ink Gang and Scooby-Doo, who are unaware that Mr. Hyde is a supervillain and not one of their typical spooks. In the new Scooby-Doo movie's fashion, they team up with Blue Falcon and Dynamut, who happens to be Scooby's hero, to stop Mr. Hyde, who has threatened to turn the population of the entire city into Mr. Hyde's unless he is proclaimed mayor. Oh my god. So it was actually legit a plot of the show that they mentioned in this movie. Oh my gosh. Everyone hide. I love that. So much. Oh, I appreciate that a lot. All right, so let's do a quick wrap up. Okay. As always, you can find the show on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog or through email and their dumb dog at gmail.com. Um, let us know if you have any questions or maybe you want to be a guest on the show because we have a couple of those lined up already. You can find me personally on Twitter at Matt Lobotanist. That's M A D L O B O T A N I S T. Do you have a place they can find you? Not right now, no. You can find the show. So I'll, I'm going to say it anyways, even though you've presumably already found the show. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play. Earlier this week, or so a couple weeks ago as time of release, I did a live tweet of the Scooby Natural episode of Supernatural with Scooby-Doo in it. That's on the Kids and Their Dog Twitter using the hashtag Kids and Their Crossroad. And... There's probably going to be some more fun stuff eventually on our Twitter, so maybe keep an eye out there. Wink, wink. <laughs> we need to record some of that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so next month we'll be watching Lava's favorite movie. Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase. Very, very good. It's a very popular movie. Yep. Apparently it's 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Huh. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't remember much about it. Honestly, neither do I. It's just the one that I know for fact that I liked as a kid because I watched it as a kid. So until next time, they would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. Scooby-Doo!